0: Welcome back to Tequila She Wrote. A podcast about cocktails and true crime. I'm Trish, your bartender. And I'm Sloan, your crime tender.
1: And today's case is the case of Dennis Martin. He is a six-year-old boy, right, that went missing in the Smoky Mountains. I want to say it sounds familiar, but I don't remember all of the details. So I'm interested to hear Sloan uh, assured me that she's putting on her tinfoil hat. So um, I'm sure it's going to be a crazy one. So definitely uh, (laughs) buckle up. (laughs) But yeah, I guess without any further ado, we'll kick you off to our bartending and then our case. to another round of bartending I am Trish and this isn't necessarily a bartending this is more of a uh, beer tending I guess you could say
0: <laughs> a highly recommended beer
1: so if you remember I brought you a beer from Prairie Artisan Ales called Tiny S's the one that tastes like sour skittles it's still still a favorite, and they have now pretty much decided that they're going to make that, like, a seasonal, like, yearly thing. So I'm excited. I am so excited for it. Actually, I think last I heard they were talking that they might actually make it a year-round thing, which would be even better, because you know how many people I get asked about? <laughs> like, if that, if we have it, so that would be pretty cool. Well pretty much not to try to just rely on their sour skills beer. They came out with a new one called Patches Treat. And if you can't tell by the name what that one is trying to mimic, it is Sour Patch Candies. And it is again another sour ale. And they did not disappoint. I am a Sour Patch fanatic. And let me tell you, when you when you open that and kind of pour it, or if you drink it from the can and you smell, it smells like Sour Patch candies. And then when you drink it, it does have that Sour Patch. It's not as potent as the Sour Skittles, but this is also their for, first year doing it. So I'm sure the next batch, if they do do it again, they're going to make some tweaks to it. But they definitely did a very good job of it the first time around. Like I said, it does have that sour patch essence. I forget who. I think it was maybe Logan. I let try it. And she was like, I mean, I get it. It's just missing something. I was like, you're missing like the the, the sugar Like sour, like that you get when you're eating in a sour batch. Just put
0: some beer salt with it. You'll be fine. Right.
1: (laughs) But it's a sour beer. Like I said, it's, I mean, most sours don't have a high ABV. This one only has a 5.4 ABV. So it's definitely one that you can drink a few and it shouldn't mess you up too much. Now, the sugar might. But for the most part, it's not like some of these like IPAs that I see all the time that are like eleven percent like ABV. And then you have stouts that Alabama has a rule that we cannot legally sell anything that is above like a 13 point like five or something. I don't know. So like there are stouts that literally get up to like 1520. Like, it's crazy. So, this one, in those terms, is a little baby at 5.4, but is a highly, as we call it, crushable beer. So, if you see this, definitely give it a shot. If you like Sour Patch Candies, I don't think you will be disappointed in it. Like I said, They definitely have rooms for improvement but I was a big fan and I've been waiting to talk about this because we've been kind of slowly getting back into the groove here and I haven't had a chance to bartend (laughs) on this but it's finally able to be talked about. I know that my store still has a few like um, cases of this in stock so if you're somewhere that does get the prairie beers. Look it up and give it a shot. Let us know what you think. But with that being said, we'll kick you off to the episode.
0: The men of the Martin family had a Father's Day tradition of visiting the Great Smoky Mountains for the weekend. In 1969, the tradition continued and the Martin men kicked off their journey starting in Cades Cove. But who are the Martin men? So on this trip, we have Clyde E. Martin, who is the grandfather William C. Martin, who is the father, Dennis, who is six years old, and Doug, who I believe was nine at the time of this trip. On June 13th, which is my brother's birthday, 1969, oh. not 1969. Oh, I right? was going to say, uh, <laughs> uh, not that, that time frame, though. <laughs> no. More like 1994. <laughs> the men kicked a off few years. Just, just a few years difference there. The men kicked off the trip leaving from Cade's Cove. The day went smoothly, and even Dennis was able to keep up with the more experienced hikers, as this was Dennis's first time on the family trip. They set up camp at Russell Field for the night, and on the second day of the hike, the Martins met up with family friends once they reached Smith's Field. And Spence Field is kind of well known for its views from the mountaintops. It's a very popular, uh, like, stopping space in between a lot of trails. I don't know that part of Gatlinburg and the Smoky Mountains. I know the beer and the wine, and that's my we, favorite part. I
1: would say, me and um, my sister went on a few hikes around there, and it was it was cool.
0: Yeah. Every time I go, I say I'm going to do it, and then I just drink my trip away. <laughs> Are we shocked? Not really. The Martin boys took off with the other two boys from the other family to play together. William watched as the kids came up with a plan to sneak up on the adults. The boys went off into the forest with Dennis, who was wearing a red shirt, which stood out against the greenery of the forest. And because of how Dennis was dressed, the older boys sent him in the opposite direction. Soon, the older boys jumped out laughing, but Dennis did not. Pretty quickly, William knew something was wrong. He began calling for Dennis. Sure, his son would come, in, come running out any second now, but there was no response. The adults dispersed quickly, searching the nearby forest, hiking up and down several trails looking for Dennis. The child was nowhere to be found. It's also 1969. Cell phones are not a thing. They didn't have any radios with them on this trip or any other form of communication with the outside world. So they came up with a plan. Everyone was going to stay put in hope of Dennis showing up, but also to help mark the spot. Meanwhile, Papa Clyde, I don't know if they called him Papa, but it sounded good. Papa Clyde (laughs) (laughs) hiked nine miles to the Cades Cove Ranger Station for help. By nightfall, a summer thunderstorm moved in, dropping over three inches of rainfall within hours and bringing the temperature down to 50 degrees. In June, in the summer, in the south, I mean, granted, it's not like South Alabama South, but still, it's Tennessee. It's the South. Hot and muggy. But that night, 50 degrees Fahrenheit. If you're more familiar with Celsius, it's like 10 degrees Celsius. I'm not familiar with that. But for me, 50 degrees is about the time in the fall when I'm like, all right, the heater's about to come on. Not Trish. She's from the North, but me. (laughs) I'm from the South. I'm talking about me, the Southern baby.
1: It depends. Sometimes, like, here, because of the humidity in the air, like, it'll feel a lot colder than, like, what the thing says. Mm-hmm. So, like, there'll be times I'll be like, oh, my gosh, it's actually kind of cold. And I'll get in the car and I'll say, like, oh, it's only, like, 60s. It's, like, 67. I was like, there's no
0: way <laughs> it has to be colder than that. <laughs> that makes me feel a little bit better about being a wimp about the cold around here. But, anyways, rainfall, chilly night. Not only does that make for a not-so-pleasant camping experience, in my opinion. I know people love camping and they love hearing the rainfall on the the tent and all that stuff. Camping is not for me. Glamping, yes. (laughs) Camping, no. So, that's just my opinion. But the rainfall washed away any and all prints from the trails and forests, taking any evidence of Dennis Martin with it. On Sunday morning, June 15th, 1969, at 5 a.m., the official search for Dennis Martin began. The National Park Service put together a group of 30 people, which quickly grew to 240 as volunteers poured in to search for the six year old. There were park rangers, college students, firefighters, Boy Scouts, police, and even 60 Green Berets from the United States Army searching for Dennis. I'm going with the Boy Scouts. Amen. They know their shit. The search went on for days, bringing in helicopters and planes to search by air. Eventually, footprints were found in the area, but authorities dismissed them as being Dennis's, instead insisting they belonged to one of the Boy Scouts participating in the search. The child-sized footprints led to a stream where they disappeared. The tracks indicated that one foot was barefoot, while the other was in an Oxford, which was the type of shoe that Dennis was wearing. Yeah. Retired park ranger and author Dwight McCarter believes that the prints likely belonged to Dennis as the tracks were not part of a group. The Boy Scouts were out <sighs> there. The Boy Scouts were out there as a part of a group. Like it would have been yeah. multiple sets of footprints. But also none of the Boy Scouts were searching while barefoot. Like somebody in the group of adults would have been like, hey kid, what are you doing? What? Where, where are, are your shoes? shoes? <laughs> no, not shoes. There was one shoe and one footprint. Yeah. So where is your shoe, child? For me, I feel like it had to belong to Dennis. It has to. But also, how is it still there after all of that rainfall? Got a lot of questions, not a whole lot of answers. On June 20th, which is my husband's birthday, once again, not the same year. (laughs) Dennis's seventh birthday, nearly 800 people showed out to volunteer to search for the young boy. The next day, nearly 1,400 people were involved in the search. At this point, the National Park Service put together a plan for what to do if they recovered Dennis's body. Unfortunately, after over 13,000 hours of searching, they found nothing else aside from the strange foot and shoe prints. The search and rescue effort gradually lost steam with no sign of Dennis Martin. The Martin family offered a reward of $5,000, which roughly translates to about $40,000 now. Um, that's a very loose translation because what I saw was like 32,000 in 2021 and these inflation inflation (laughs) prices, these inflation prices, y'all, I'm going to guess 40,000 in the year 2023. Uh, so $5,000 for information, which mostly yielded responses from psychics claiming to know what happened to Dennis. The search for Dennis Martin was officially closed down on September 14th, 1969, and to this day remains the largest search in the history of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. There are many theories of what happened to Dennis that day. Some are believable, and others require a tinfoil hat. So get it ready, my friends. Oh, boy. First, let's go with what the Martins themselves believe. They believe that their son may have been kidnapped. Harold key was visiting the area the same day that they were all there. And he was about seven miles away from Spence field when he heard a sickening scream and then spotted an unkempt stranger hurrying through the woods. So to me, I'm just kind of like, you know, he was, he went missing around the time that they stopped to set up camp. So it's kind of probably later in the day, it's getting to be sunset. the possibility of you kidnapping a kid and carrying him seven miles away. Yeah, that's... In that amount of time. That does not seem very likely to me. But... Other other less likely things have happened in this <laughs> yeah. world. So, not dismissing it completely. I'm just not 100% sold on that one. Some believe that he fell victim to Mother Nature... Whether that was exposure, because remember, the temperatures dropped.
1: I mean, I'm talking
0: about June. It's probably like at least 80, maybe 100 degrees during the day. And then it dropped down to 50 degrees at night. That's a very large temperature gap for your body to go through, especially if you are that young. Remember, not, I mean, let's go ahead and say seven years old. I mean, it's his birthday week, so seven years old. But also outside of exposure it's possible that he could have been victim of an animal. The area is known for harboring bears, feral pigs, copperhead snakes, uh, and bobcats. So this is the most probable explanation according to the authorities in the area. I kind of believe this one as well. And, you know, he didn't get that far away from his family's camp, but in searching for this story... I also read another story of a woman that went missing in the Appalachian mountains. She was somebody that was used to hiking. She hiked around her home often, but even her friend said that she had a hard time like reading maps and reading the signs of nature to get back to where she needs to be. So yes, this child only stepped a few feet away from his family, but the older kids went in the opposite direction. He's on his own it's entirely possible that he literally just got turned around yeah. and started walking in a direction and it was just the wrong direction, unfortunately. And that would lead to.
1: Let's also point out the fact that me being the uh, spooky bitch I am and loving like these like folklores and stuff. If You know, anything about the Appalachians, if you go in the woods and you hear voices that you don't know calling your name. You don't hear them. You don't go towards them. You go directly out the way you came in. <laughs> and you You're don't jumping ahead.
0: You're jumping ahead to my tinfoil hat I'm time. Sorry. Calm down. Calm down. We're going to get there. To finish off this thought before we put on the tinfoil hats, Like I was saying, he could have wandered off and simply gotten himself lost. I know that could happen to me. For yeah. sure. Uh, the terrain is full of steep ravines which may have hidden the child's body while people were looking for him if he would have fallen down hurt himself like there are just a lot of possibilities i do truly believe that he just fell victim to nature here all right tinfoil hats put them on some believe dennis was the victim of cannibalistic feral humans who were said to live undetected in the national park The term feral is usually associated with wild, disconnected and isolated from society. These humans are assumed to be uneducated and unpredictable in nature. And, like, loosely just give you an idea. It's a very positive uh, way to view these people. But, like, Mowgli from the Jungle Book is technically a feral human. (laughs) He's raised by animals. He lives on his own. And that's, like, he is a great example of a feral human. Whenever people talk about feral humans in the Appalachian Mountains, they are pretty much talking about, like, Bigfoot. But not Bigfoot. Like, human versions of Bigfoot. People that live on the land, live in the caves. They have their own languages. They have their own ways to survive. They aren't actually any part of functioning society. They just do what they want, when they want. And they... People really believe that they have, like, more of an animalistic behavior versus a humanness human behavior they rely on hunting and snatching cattle and livestock and children even to survive yeah. so that's a theory Uh, One North Carolinian writes on Reddit, since the 1930s or 40s, there have been feral wild men living in these mountains. They are fast. They will snatch livestock and snatch children. And I'm not talking about some end of days extremist who took to the woods. I mean feral, completely wild men. Their own language, living underground. At night, you'll hear them hollering, supposed inbreds. Sounds like Reddit. (laughs) Another Reddit user was hunting one night when he encountered one of these feral people. He explains, I remember jolting a little when I saw that it wasn't really a bear. It was a man because he was so low and hunched over. I thought I was looking at a young bear. I was about to call out when I adjusted my sights and noticed he was naked. No shoes, pants or anything. I remember being disturbed by his movements like a squirrel or something, twitchy and grabbing at the foliage, sniffing around and palming the tree. And then also just another theory. Some people believe these feral humans are like uh, descendants of Native Americans that avoided going on the Trail of Tears by hiding in the mountains so that's another plausible theory Also, and then like Trish was talking about have, it's very
1: it's one of those things like you don't say what they are but we're gonna bring it up this one time and we don't talk about it again because um it is very not something that you're supposed to talk about or like at least say the word out loud you have what people in, like, um, Native American culture in that call skinwalkers. And they've been known to, like, transform into, like, animals and then become, like, a human and make, like, actual, like,
0: human voices appear and stuff. So, so like, if you watch True Blood, you become a skin thingy by killing a human... And then you become one. Like if you're already a supernatural creature. Um, There are a lot of different. Schools of theory on this. But it's definitely. A theory. (laughs) It's a wild one. It's a tinfoil hat one. And then also you have people that believe that Bigfoot is there. So that's a possibility. There's a lot of. um, What's the word? Uh, Folklore. um, I also will say. Like. I
1: know that, like, going along with, like, the wild animal theory thing, too, I will say that as we went, like, when I went with Sloane and our friend Crystal, I don't think we saw really any, like, bears or anything like that. We didn't really go into the... Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, I don't think, like, even, like, around, like, where we were staying... Ooh, sorry. Where we were staying, we saw anything. When... I went with my family, we saw a lot of bears in that. And you got to think now to like 1969, like obviously stuff's been built up more now. So if I'm seeing that, like I'm telling you, like it seemed like almost like for like two to three days straight, anytime we went outside and went like somewhere, either, like, on the strip or, like, to one of the trails, we were seeing bears. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine what this kid ran into.
0: Well, and didn't you go in the springtime with your family, or was it... Kind of, yeah. Yeah. And whenever we went, it was, like, it was the fall. end of October, so they were kind of getting prepared to hibernate. I know whenever Nate and I went and eloped in Gatlinburg, we, de- we did see a few bears, But if you pay attention to TikTok around springtime, especially if you look for it, I don't know why it just pops up on my (laughs) For You page all the time. But during the spring, you will see bears literally overtake Gatlinburg. They will go into people's cars, turn over the trash can, try to get into the houses. Well, it was funny because we
1: went, like me and my family went, and I remember, like, we always parked at this one place because with my family's time chair, it was a free parking situation. We didn't have to worry about parking. We knew our car wasn't going to be towed. Mm-hmm. We knew, like, it was a place we were guaranteed to have a spot. And yeah. we always cut up this one alleyway. I got home, not even a week later, I'm on TikTok scrolling and someone posts a video of a bear crossing the, like, street and going down the damn alley we always walked up and i said it to my family i went we almost if we were there we could become bear food <laughs>
0: <coughs> not me come here bear <laughs> come on let me pet you you look just like my dog come on <laughs> but anyways that is my case for today i hope you enjoyed it and we'll kick you off to the last call all right welcome
1: to another last call and for today's last call, I thought it'd be fun to take a trip to 1969 and just show it's not as far away as we think it is, but also just to point out some of the big things that happened at that, that point in time, just for reference, because I feel like, you know, obviously worse sitting here in the year. 2023 and you're like
0: shut up it's 2019
1: <laughs> and we're sitting here going uh, 1969 that was a while away no it, it really wasn't also I need to point out because I got called out by my friend Emily I think in the last, in like a couple episodes ago <laughs> I said I was 33 I'm, I'm 34 <laughs> but to be fair My birthday is in December, and it's literally only a couple of days for, like, the new year. So I was only a year off, and it's new. (laughs) So I will finally remember I'm 34, probably just in time. To turn 35. so I'm proud of myself for at least not being too far off my age. (laughs) But I think that also shows how much I care about how old I actually am. Anyways, game back to 1969. So one of the big things is Richard Nixon was sworn in as the 37th president. So not that far away, but also like just think he was just getting started. So, you know, I am not a crook has not happened yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Apollo 11's uh, eagle lands on the moon. And that's when Neil Armstrong took his first, like, steps onto the moon. So, you know, you had that happening. You, sadly, at that time, had the draft going on for Vietnam. So... Yes, we complain about, like, all the life events that we went through, but this is all happening in one year. Mm -hmm. Like, if you want to get into the world of crime to know what's going on about that time of 1969, that is when Zodiac Killer and the Mason family were terrorizing the nation. So, again, it was a scary time. You could be drafted or you could be hunted by serial killers. <laughs> so, I mean, take your pick. Like Sloan said, you have the whole, like, change in inflation. So, here's just something. It's Just so you know, all of us millennials out here being told, you know, they understand why we can't survive today. You want to know what the average house of a cost, like, cost of a house was back then? How much it, it took you? To be able to buy a house?
0: $32,000. Nope.
1: Oh. $5,000. No. $15,550. And it
0: still took them 40 years to pay that shit off.
1: The average cost of a house in 2020 was Mm $320,000. So... There you go. The average monthly rent for places in 1969 was $135 a month. I wish. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I wish.
0: Times that times 10.
1: (laughs) Right? I'm just like, said the average cost in 2020 is $1,468. I was like, yep, I can believe that. I know that where I live, I have a good deal going on. <laughs> Real good deal. So I'm not complaining. And gas was only thirty-five cents a gallon. So, yeah,
0: I wish we had that good deal going.
1: Right. Um, Entertainment-wise, you have the top song of that of 1969 being "Sugar, Sugar." Sugar, <laughs> and then you know, music festival wise, you have Woodstock. Woodstock, Woodstock my hippie heart. <laughs> um, you also have Scooby Doo, Sesame Street, and The Brady Bunch all making their first air. Like, their first episode. No, I'm sorry.
0: Scooby-Doo's been around forever. Like, there was (laughs) no beginning. It's been around since the beginning of time.
1: (laughs) Those are, like, some of the big ones. Like, obviously there's a lot more, but they're just kind of, like, boring things. But, like, if you think that we're talking about a long time ago, we are in a way, but also... My mama was born
0: in, like, 65
1: I was going to say, my parents were both alive, but, like, they were, what, they were in their, like, early teens, I think, because dad's, I think dad was 1954, or mom is, I don't remember, they were both born in the 50s, so, like, that's at least, like, 10 plus years there, so. But yeah, my my parents were dealing with the whole draft and that, and my dad didn't get drafted. Um, I can't remember if my uncle was drafted or if he joined willingly, but I do know that my uncle John did go over to Vietnam, so. It's just a, like I said, I just thought it would be interesting to kind of bring up some of the uh, big things that happened then, just to like kind of point out, you know, what time of like the world we were looking at when we talk about like this case, because like Sloane said, you didn't, you gotta think you didn't have like cell phones and stuff like that, so. <laughs> It it was just obviously a much different time than what we're used to. But I also like that one to show just how different it was. But I guess that being said, that is my last call, short and sweet. I guess, as you know, if you want to request any cases or check us out, getting like pictures or anything we have from our cases, you can check out our socials. They're all tequila she wrote. If you have case suggestions, obviously you can send like a little message on something. Or you can email us at tequila she wrote at gmail.com.
0: We also have our Patreon that you can subscribe to. Uh, we have different tiers so just depending on how much you want to pay you get different things. But we have free episodes over there we have um like a ruining paradise series which is where we go on vacation and we ruin it
1: we (laughs) make you not
0: want to go places trish is really big on haunted things so you can check out her stuff over there and yeah that is our patreon content content goodness the easiest way to find us over there is patreon.com backslash tequila she wrote if you can't find us, just shoot us a message. We'll get you a direct link over there. But thank you for riding on the Hot Mess Express today. Toot toot. Beep beep.